Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast, Season 14, Episode 55. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Thanks for being back with us here this Monday, Steelers Nation. This victory Monday as the Pittsburgh Steelers defeated the Cincinnati Bengals 16-10. Sunday at Paycor Stadium, Pittsburgh now 7-4 on the season, back in second place in the AFC North. Dave, I know... There'll be caveats about the point totals and saltines and Ritz references, I'm sure, and all those <laughs> things. But by golly, we saw an NFL offense yesterday, and I'm going to take it. I tell you, you, you know me too well, don't you? You <laughs> know, you, uh, you try to steal my thunder here. Uh, happy Victory Monday. And that was the Ritz crackers of, uh, uh, or that was a Ritz cracker of a 16 point performance by a Steelers offense. Uh, for 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 some time now. Now, obviously, you, you would have liked to have seen, or the point total could have been, and probably should have been uh, higher uh, than that. But uh, man, I'm excited to the, the all 22 hasn't started uh, dropping yet, but it should in a couple hours, and I can't wait uh, to get to that just for the sheer fact of a few things that I was able to pick out on 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 the TV tape. And I know you're the same there, but. Uh, uh, look, you know, another win or seven and four now and going back to uh, last year at Dubai, uh, what are they, uh, 24 and six since Dubai last year? No, uh, yeah, uh, 14, 14, four, four, seven four, and two, seven yeah. and four. Yeah, 14. Yeah, my math. Is, I'm, I'm trying to pour coffee in every hole that I have <laughs> uh, uh, this morning. Yeah. Uh, and, and another thing, I thought you know, if somebody came out of the, out of a coma right now, and and you had to explain this team being uh, seven and four in one tweet, I'm not sure you could adequate adequately do that. But the record is their record, and they're the fifth seed. They're waking up the fifth seed in the uh, AFC right now, uh, second place in the AFC North. You obviously have a what you would think would be a very winnable game coming up on Sunday at home against the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, back to what you said, I mean, it, it it looked like an NFL offense for the most part in this game against the Bengals on Sunday. How what you feeling this morning? Feeling good overall. What a what a difference a week makes, and of course the coordinator change and the big gaudy stat line. While sixteen points is nothing to generally write home about. 421 yards of offense. So in 44 games under Matt Canada, they hit 400 yards zero times. The first game without him, they do it. Is that a coincidence? I think not. Now, I was somebody that wasn't as obsessed about the 400-yard mark as others were. I care about points more than I care about the actual yards. But to me, the word of the day, despite still missteps and miscues and negativity for the Steelers' offense, is the word that Mike Tomlin used since he fired Matt Canada, fluidity. The offense had fluidity for maybe the first time all season. 
Yeah, that can be uh, their their identity, at least for, for this game, right? Uh, fluidity. Uh, we never knew that would be an identity, but uh, it, it, it is, it was. Uh, and, you know, there was a lot of things to get excited about. I think there was some tend- – you know, we'll get into all this. It felt like there were a lot of tendency breakers. We saw uh, two and three tight end sets. Don't have the charting back on that yet. Uh, but uh, it, it stuck out like you know e- very easily with two and three uh, pers- uh, tight end personnel groupings in this game. Uh, whew, uh, middle of the field throws. Look, I, I know overall if you look at that picture, there's only you know two or three you know uh, kind of middle of the field things. You know, green dots showing up in there, but that might as well be fourteen. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as far as I'm concerned there, it, it's stuff that we haven't seen. And man, they opened up with one down the middle of the field to, to Pat Firemuth there. I think Joe, did Joe call that or, or ask for that? Uh, or at least a on deep, his take. Yeah. Yeah. On, uh, on, on his Saturday, uh, terrible take there. So, uh, kudos to him. And look, one of my, uh, one of my five keys to the game that I wrote up, uh, on, on, on Saturday was, uh, you know, Got got to say a mouthful, and boy, did they! <laughs> I didn't envision that being that big of a mouthful, but uh, they obviously utilized Pat Farmuth uh, a lot more in this game, and with uh, great success on top of it. So, where would you like to begin? Well, let's just backtrack very briefly to talk about what happened prior to the game and some players not playing in this one. Mika Fitzpatrick, Montrevious Adams ruled out on Friday. That was recorded. That was announced after our podcast on Friday, but no big surprise there. It does sound like the team is hopeful. These players are that Mika Fitzpatrick will return for this upcoming Sunday against the Arizona Cardinals. So we'll see what Tuesday and uh, Tomlin's presser brings and, of course, Wednesday's actual practice report. Uh, injury standpoint in game seemed to be pretty healthy overall. George Pickens got the win knocked out of him. He returned, finished the game. Calvin Austin had an ankle injury, according to Mike Tomlin, late in that game. It's never even announced by the team until Tomlin said something post game. So we'll see where that stands on Tuesday. Other than that, seems to be pretty healthy overall. Uh, quickly, from an inactive standpoint, notable names inactive. Anthony McFarland was inactive over uh, in Godwin Igorbuke getting the hat there. So that's interesting. Uh, to see Blake Martinez inactive. Darius Rush was active and played as the team's dime defender. Yeah, and looking at the uh, the, the the biggest surprise, at least to me, uh, in this was the uh, uh, Godwin Iguabuque uh, being active. And I think that that was uh, necessitated by them needing more special team snaps out of him altogether. He played 14 total mm. special team snaps in this game. And that might be related to the lack of, uh, 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 you know, safety slash, you know, in inside linebackers with what they wanted to do in some, some various areas there. So I think that's what ended up costing Anthony McFarland, his helmet, uh, in, in this game. And it was really of, of the six players on the list this week, because obviously they had to have six inactives because of Tariq Carpenter being elevated uh, on, on, on Saturday there. Uh, I believe that was probably what in, what went into the decision-making with the inactive list there. So uh, not huge by any stretch of the imagination, but that's probably the reason why we saw Godwin up and, and McFarland down. 
That makes a lot of sense. Good explanation there. All right, Dave, let's jump into this game again. Pittsburgh winning this one 16 to 10, really strong offensive output, pass game, run game. To me, beyond fluidity, you can use the word balance for this offense. 33 pass attempts, 33 rush attempts, success with both. That's really what you're looking for. Thought Pickett was able to distribute the ball well to a bunch of people. I believe eight players caught passes, or maybe eight players had more than one reception, something like that. They ran for a buck 53. Najee Harris, this was his day uh, in the run game. So just overall, just a balanced offense to got big plays, pass game, big plays, run game. And just overall, I thought was was efficient in both regards. Alex's team had six explosive plays uh, in this game against the Bengals. We've talked about that quite a bit uh, over the last couple couple of weeks and not only the lack of explosive plays, but how most of them were coming in the run game, which look, you're not gonna you're not gonna get uh, uh, any pushback from me on any time that you can get a run explosive play. But we talked about the lack of pass uh, explosive plays and how you can't really be expected to lean on run explosive plays only. They had four passing explosive plays in this game of 43, 39, 29, and 24 yards uh, in, 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 in those four. And then you add in, uh, boy, Najee Harris stacking up. I got I got to pull a Heinz Ward and take my hat off and hand it to, uh, to Najee Harris. Two more explosive runs by Najee Harris in this game. Uh, one early that just, you know, uh, I, I can envision Chris Berman doing the highlight on that, boom, 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 <laughs> you know, just mm-hmm. uh, motoring ahead through the pile there for for uh, for 20 yards. And then he had one uh, later in the game, about the 558 mark, I think, over to the uh, left left side there for 22 yards. So uh, two more explosive runs for the team in this game. And more importantly, uh, you had the uh, four passing explosive plays, which was uh, good to see. So six total explosive plays there really sticks out as far as why this offense had some success in this game. And the other thing, you know where I'm going with this is the third downs, something that we've talked quite a bit about. Eight of 17 uh, in this game overall, 47%. And within that uh, is the stat. That I had it pulled up last night. Something else we've talked quite a bit about that I thought really highlighted as the, the, the good game that uh, Kenny Pickett had. Oh, where was it here? The third, I guess I'd labeled that a little bit different here. Let me see if I can find Well, I know it's adjusted net yards per passing attempt was oh, also yeah. where you want it to be, right? Oh, yeah, over seven. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, with, with, with that. Kenny Pickett was four of five on third downs of five or fewer with four first downs mm. uh, 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 within that. So, you know, we talked a bit about, look, you know, uh, not only do, does this offense need to convert more third downs, but we got to have these ones that are the five or fewer yards that we haven't been getting uh, in the passing game specifically. Now they have obviously converted some that, you know, with, with the legs and with some scrambles and all, but uh, this is one that will probably get 
uh, you know, kind of a stat that'll be kind of lost within all this because of them them converting at a high rate. Because look, they did convert some long ones in this game uh, as well too, and that to me that's stealing as well when you convert uh, things of you know third and eight or more in this game. And they had a couple of those, but the fact that he Kenny Pickett was four or five on third downs of five or fewer yards with four of those uh, with, with all four completions ending in first downs uh, really sticks out in this one and and I don't want to call it hidden yardage or a hidden stat but uh, I, I think that needs highlighting it does I mean the last two weeks combined Pittsburgh was what was the stat they were seven to 29 or seven to 27 on third down they were about 26 percent over the last two games and take away the final kneel down in this Bengals game they were eight for 16 so 50 percent mm. I mean that's just a turnaround right there and not that maybe you want to have 16 third downs in a game, but you did have a lot of plays. You did possess the ball as much as you have in any game this season. So sometimes you kind of get those third downs because of it. But still, you converted, you moved the sticks, you sustained drives. That's the fluidity in which we talk about. There were no three and outs by Pittsburgh in this game. That has not happened the entire season. Only happened twice in Matt Canada's 44 games as Steelers OC. So again, not that every drive ended in points. Most of them did not. And there was negativity and things left on the table for sure. But you at least were able to possess the ball, drive the football, attempt to play a field position. Didn't always work out that way. But those were some of the benefits of at least extending some drives um, on paper. And then to go back to Najee Harris, Matthew Marks, wrote this this morning. Apparently, he is tied for the league lead in explosive runs of 20 plus yards. Now, He's long as 25 yards on the season, so a lot of them are in that very narrow range of 20 to 25. As Matthew writes, not all explosive runs are created equally, but just compared to last year's numbers and the run game in general, not getting those runs of 20-plus yards to see that turnaround for Harris and for Jalen Warren, that is a, a big turnaround. And this run game is just humming right now, Dave. Yeah, look, I'll take it. You know, uh, talked about Najee coming out uh, of, of Alabama and the lack of uh, percentage of explosive runs. And once again, you get a you get an explosive run of 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 and and technically in the NFL, you know, you hear Mike Tomlin talk about explosive runs of being ten or more yards and all like that. Uh, but you know, twenty is significant, and anytime you get one of those to me i feel that stealing and and kudos to him and and those were a couple of hard-earned uh 20 yard runs on 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 top of it very very physical uh runner he was uh between him and Jalen warren he was the uh better back in this game against the Bengals. so uh yeah good good to see that for sure from Najee. And what was the stat for explosive pass plays in this mm-hmm. game, right, Dave? And they had three in the last four games combined <laughs> yeah. we talked about. So they had more in this game than they had in the last month. Yeah, exactly. And that's something else to get excited about. And when you know, obviously a couple of those, uh, uh, they came in basically all areas of the field. You had two in the middle of the field to, uh, uh, to, to, uh, Pat Firemuth. You had one down the right sideline. Uh, I believe that was a third down throw. Was it not to, uh, Deontay mm-hmm. Johnson against man coverage? And I believe the other one was a third down, uh, throw to, mm-hmm. uh, George Pickens on a, on a slot fade down the left side there. So that's exactly what you want to see. Again, that's to me, distributing the ball around to different people, to different areas. That's the mark of a well-rounded and balanced offense. So Kenny Pickett, one of his best games, probably his best game of the season, right up there, I think, with the Rams game. The numbers, again, are not overwhelming. 24-33, 278 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. He does continue to take unbelievably good care of the football. 
seven straight games without an, an interception. That is a single season Steelers record. I believe he set the uh, Steelers record for most cons- uh, consecutive pass attempts without a pick as well. So, of course, you want to see more touchdowns and more points, and those things have to be there. But if there's one thing you can consistently say positively about Kenny Pickett, he takes great care of the football. Yeah, look, for to, to go that long, you have to go all the way back to that game against the Texans, that deep shot down the middle of the field to, I think, Calvin Austin that Steven Nelson uh, intercepted was the last time that he's thrown an interception. And we all, we know how important uh, taking care of the football uh, is. And uh, look, it, 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 you know, they, they obviously did have the one turnover in this game that we'll talk about here at some point, I'm sure. But uh, uh, to, to get your quarterback not 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 throwing picks and, and to have that that span of games uh, and specifically with him being able to push the football down the field right. uh, more in this game uh, uh, really, you know, is it, something that you have to highlight. Sure, because we talked last week, yeah, he threw no picks against Cleveland, but the offense felt so in a shell that it's like he almost won it in interception because it might mean he's pushing the ball. In this game, you were able to push the ball, you produce and and have a a nice performance all while taking care of the football, which is ideally what you're looking for. Dave, I know we both have to go to the All-22 and kind of want to take a look at that, and we understand there were not any dramatic changes to this offense. Largely, it was the same you know, types of plays and same play calls they've run before, but what felt different about this offense that allowed it to have probably its best actual performance of the season? Uh, tendencies, in in my opinion, uh, they, they ran a lot of, uh, and I pulled something this morning that I threw in our discord channel here, uh, Heading into this game, it looked like it looks like this team used 13 personnel, uh, which is three tight ends of all of 12 snaps uh, this season. And they ran 11 times and passed one time out of those 12, uh, 23 personnel, two backs, three tight ends. They they've used 12 times. It looks like they ran 12, all 12 times out of that. And zero two personnel, which I don't know. I, I haven't, I didn't pick out any of that yesterday. Maybe that is that victory. I don't know. Uh, no, that would be just uh, no backs, two no, tight ends. Yeah, no backs, two tight ends. Probably there. didn't use that. Uh, I don't think they used that yesterday, but they, they ran that all two times. But I mean, uh, there was significant usage of three tight end uh, personnel groupings in this game. And not only that, they passed out of it. Uh, as well too and they were able to run some things that they some plays that they normally like to run out of those personnel groupings so I think first and foremost uh the 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 personnel usage was something that sticks out in this game and then how they use that 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 personnel uh 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 different personnel grouping stuck out in this game uh we saw obviously the use of Friermuth more in the passing game uh stuck out in uh in this one we saw i don't have the numbers on it but it felt like less overall motion uh in this game at least motion that was uh, happening at the snap, uh, and specifically with, with cut someone coming through the, the backfield, it, it just felt less spammy overall and it felt more with purpose in this game. You mean they didn't have Allen Robinson running sprints pre snap for no discernible purpose? No, I think, yeah, they were just more selective, more of a purpose, more of a plan. 
Um, to me, again, I have to watch the all 22. I really want to see them function out of 13 personnel. Connor Hayward, as you mentioned, seemed to kind of indicate they were doing, you know, some stuff they would do out of 12 personnel or different personnel groupings, but out of 13. So being able to run the same concept at a, a different formation, different personnel grouping is kind of the mark of a good offense that can, you know, make things look different for defense, but for an offense, it's really just the same thing. That's ideally what you want to see. I saw firing with occasionally split out and some of those looks. And so just kind of moving some of those pieces around. I think it's interesting. Saw some more pistol in this game, uh-huh. some more downhill run action for Nanshi Harris, which I think is beneficial to him. Uh, how about play action? What did you say? Six play actions in the first first quarter of this yeah, game? Yeah, it's either six or seven uh, play action uh, uh, plays uh, in the first quarter of this game. Now, there was less in the second, but I think it was due to when they were possessing the football and all like that. And uh, I didn't get into charting too terribly much the the second half of this one, but uh, uh, I mean, look, it it was evident right from the get-go that they were intending on using more play action in this game. Yeah. And from the very first snap of the game, you know, you're going to have the false ski by pulling, say a mall to get that linebacker to bite up a bit. They're playing too high behind you hit Frymuth down the scene for 24 yards. So those are things I just noted, noticed off the top. I'm sure there'll be other things to, to look at again. Some of the plays certainly were the same. You saw, you know, stuff that you you were running the same stuff as you would under Canada. The playbook didn't expand, but just what you chose and how you used it and the game flow of it all. Again, a new person in there can can make a world of difference. Absolutely. Uh, looking at, uh, let's see here, negative plays overall. Let me take out the passes and uh, or let me eliminate. Let me just go with runs only here. Uh, they had just three runs in this game that went for no yards or negative yardage. So we, we talk about how negative plays, uh, especially you go back to that, you know, even, even that game against the Browns had how, how you had, what did I say? Like seven or so uh, or eight or so of those run plays were negative plays uh, in that game. Even though you had a good rushing performance overall, uh, the fact that you only had three negative run, run plays in this game by running back sticks out pretty huge in this one. Now you did have a couple of sacks, obviously uh, that are negative plays. And, and I think what a penalty or two or something like that. Deontay running backwards. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's another one there. Uh, But uh, just negative plays overall is something that we've highlighted several times. And it helps you obviously stay on schedule more when you're not having these. Sure. Now I understand the Bengals defense has not been, Strong this year. The Browns defense, of course, uh, an elite tier group. Bengals closer to the bottom, but still Pittsburgh. I'll take it against any opponent, given just the struggles that Pittsburgh has had. They've been a miserable offense. And so I'm just happy to uh, to see that success, regardless of the opponent. Absolutely. What else Pat- stuck out uh, to you? Yeah, I mean, just Pat Fry with nine catches for a buck 20. I mean, that is a career day for him. Uh, the first Steelers tight end to go for 100 yards since Vance McDonald back in 2018. Nine receptions for Frymouth is a career high for him um, and more than he ever had at Penn State or in Pittsburgh. So just a big game for him from for him uh, from literally the first play of the game, the 24 yarder. And then next drive, they have third and 13. Same thing down the scene for 29 yards and just, you know, taking what the defense gives you. you know, they're going to play soft zone coverage. You sit down underneath, show the quarterback your numbers and get 10 yards on first and 10. I think just for that, for. Even Darnell Washington, his lone reception, finally came off with something other than boot action. You know, he was able right. to sit down and you know, a five-yard curl and get five yards of yak because he's just such a, a big dude that's tough to, to take down. So saw a lot of kind of softer zone coverage and 
I just thought this offense was in rhythm. And you made a comment on, I think, Friday's show about watching Ben Solax for the ringer, his breakdown of this offense. And sometimes the top of Pickett's drop would not really match up to where routes are breaking. And I was kind of watching that a bit more, just not in, in depth, but just watching back this game a bit. And you kind of saw on some of those concepts, you know, Pickett top of the drop, hitch and throw, you know, the ball would be out as soon as Pickett would, would reach the top of his, um, his, his uh, launch spot there. And I just felt this offense was in a lot more rhythm in terms of where the footwork of the quarterback was the drop of the quarterback was to where routes broke. And it just seemed like there was just, again, fluidity for this offense. And look, the fact that Fryermuth was able to catch so many passes, uh, it, look, the, the, the third linebackers are good, you know, Pratt, uh, Pratt and, 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 and Logan Wilson, I mean, those guys can, can cover some ground. So I think that's another key area where, where play action and the ability to run the football really had those linebackers, uh, thinking about what they were going to do, uh, especially in rundown situations there. And, uh, you know, once again, I, I thought this might could be, and I wrote about this in, in my Saturday keys about how I thought, you know, it was a great opportunity to get Pat Firemuth. They had, they went into this game with what, 30 receptions out of the tight ends in total. And obviously Pat Firemuth has missed a lot of time this, this, this season here, but they had nine, 10, 11, 12 receptions out of their tight ends, uh, in, <laughs> in, in this game. So, hmm. uh, nearly, nearly matched half of what they had on the season in, in tight end receptions. And when you have receivers that are going to get the attention like Deontay Johnson and George Pickens uh, have, have, you know, have been getting throughout the season here. uh, It's important to, when you get into these, these, these games, that you're probably going to see a lot of zone. We've talked about that as well, too, how you've seen these defenses probably playing a lot more zone against Kenny Pickett. Uh, it's important to take a, take advantage of these opportunities with your tight ends in this game, and they did that for sure. And in terms of yardage, how many? what percentage of yardage for the season from the position comes from this game? I mean, it's got to be oh, close wow. to half, you know? I mean, yeah. 120 for Frymuth, 11 for Hayward, 10 for Washington. That's a buck 41 from your tight ends in this game alone. You probably had about 200 yards receiving in this game area coming into this game on the entire season. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and now, now you've got that on tape and that gives opposing defenses something to think about right now Uh, is look, it's not just, it's not just, uh, 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 past five yards outside the numbers, uh, you know, in this game. Uh, that 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 we saw, you know, something else that stuck out. We talked about you, you, you hit on it about, you know, Allen Robinson. You know, a lot of times we have seen Allen Robinson when he's coming in motion. It's a run play, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 and generally to the side that he's motioning to a couple times during this game, they sent Allen Robinson in motion and he continued on and you get the, 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 the quick flare out to him, yeah. you know, and, and a completion to him for 11 mm-hmm. yards, I believe on, on the one, but yeah, it just goes back to me distributing the ball to different people. I know coverage will dictate sometimes where the ball goes, but you have Frymuth with nine catches. Warren has three. Pickens has three. Deontay has four. Connor Hayward, two. Robinson, one. Washington, one. Kevin Austin, one. I just didn't see that stuff before, you know, where the ball was really just kind of being moved more. Again, I go back to that word fluidly to different people in different situations. You had middle of the field shots. You had sideline shots. You had short stuff. You had your boot game. Your, your your zone beater kind of game, you know, sitting down underneath almost tank concepts. It just felt like I know it's for any other franchise, it'd be okay. What that, that's basic NFL offense, but for Pittsburgh, 
it's like finally you kind of see the foundational level of NFL offenses and how they should run, and you can hopefully build off of that. You even had a dump off to Jalen Warren that gained, gained a few yards in this one. Yeah. Um, Over to the shoot, left side. What play was that left side? 15 yards, yeah. So just just really, you know, just like to see the ball being spread around by Kenny Pickett, and that's going to produce usually more often than not good outcomes for your offense. But, of course, Dave, the run game still the bread and butter for this team. Najee Harris for 99 was over 100 briefly, but then lost a couple yards late in that game, but still take that, a touchdown for him. Jalen Warren, a quieter game, but they're not, they're not all going to be home runs. I think we're a bit spoiled by the last couple of weeks of what Warren was doing. 13 for 49, still ran just fine in this game. And as you said, made some plays out of the backfield. The fumble, of course, was costly. Should we pause here and kind of talk about that sequence of the Deontay almost yeah. touchdown and then the Jalen Warren fumble and Deontay and all that? Sure. All right. So Pittsburgh driving. Uh, looks like Kenny Pickett on a post route hits Deontay Johnson for a touchdown. But the refs ruled it incomplete. The uh, cornerback knocking the ball away as Johnson was going to the ground. Gene Steratore, the rules analyst for CBS and uh, former NFL ref, believed that likely would have been a touchdown had it been challenged by Mike Tomlin. Tomlin was asked about why he did not challenge it, said he never he lost vision uh, of where the ball was at and vision of that play being so far away from him. And of course, being on the road, you did not get the uh, replay from the uh, stadium there. So what was your take on the the incomplete ruling and the lack of a challenge by Mike Tomlin? Uh, first and foremost, I understand, I guess, why Mike Tomlin didn't challenge that because of, uh, you know, I guess no replay in the stadium there, but isn't somebody upstairs watching TV or something like that? And, and could you have called a timeout there maybe to, to, to wait for it to, to at least see a TV replay uh, in that second of all, uh, I respect, you know, the, the heck out of Gene Steratore, but let's remember that uh, he knows his audience. I'm not, I'm not trying to take anything away. He's, he's on, and I, he's probably on 93, uh, not 93. Uh, uh, Is he on the fan? Does he not go on the not, fan? Not on the fan. He's on uh, DVE, DVE uh, okay. radio, probably on there right now talking about it, quite honestly. Uh he know, he he knows he knows his bread and butter as well. He, he knows his audience, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Could this be a surviving the ground kind of issue here, or, or continuation uh, issue here? I mean, th- there's no doubt that he gets two or three, uh, two two or three uh, feet down in this one. I just wonder if this is. I wonder. I'll say this: it it would have been worth a challenge. I think. Well, there is no survive the ground element because of the end zone. If you once he has possession and you know the the three feet down, that's a touchdown right there. No matter what happens, okay. going to the ground. Um, I, I think the question is, did he have that third foot down? I, I'm, I'm I believe that's why it was ruled incomplete because the ref's interpretation was that he did not have that third down, down that third foot down. I should say before the ball got jarred out. Once again, I'm not sure it gets overturned here, and I understand Mike Tomlin's uh, explanation of, of why they didn't, you know, didn't get a good look at it there. Uh, I would, I would have, I would have had no issue had they called maybe time out there to to get a better look at it, then maybe challenge it. You know, at but least if you if you. If you call timeout and then challenge and then lose the challenge, you've just lost yeah, two timeouts sure. early in that game. So I, I think there was some time to review it. There was kind of, you know, it wasn't like they quickly ran the next play or anything. So maybe they could have gotten a look. I'm okay with the no challenge, just given, you know, 
it was I, who knows what a catch is in today's NFL. Like you did, nobody knows. So you had third and two coming up. Didn't predict a fumble. I, I was okay with the no challenge. I'm still okay with the no challenge. All right. Uh, I would have been fine had they challenged it. I'll, I'll just leave it at that. I, I you know, once mm-hmm. again, I don't know about the continuation of it because he does get that thing kind of uh, the continuation of the of the rip down right. uh, on it and loses loses possession of it. But uh, you know, it's a that sequence. The, the next play, obviously, is what really was a killer or added insult to injury on. And that was a double Dino concept, wasn't it? On, on that, wasn't it two, two, two post on that? Wasn't Alan Robinson I'll, the other one on that? I'll have to go back and check. I honestly do not remember. I just want to note really quickly before we talk about the Warren play. Um, I know Sterator said he thinks it would have been overturned. And, of course, he's a former ref. But, I you know, the Football Zebras website, which right. is religiously tracks, you know, officiating and calls and those stuff as well as anybody on the outside. Uh, their interpretation was uh, Tomlin would have likely lost the challenge had he tried to throw the red flag on that one. So I think it would have been a coin flip had he had been able to overturn that call had he challenged it. Did, does, did he say why? I forgot to check. For, and we've referenced football zebras mm-hmm. a few times in this. They didn't really say why. They just said they looked at the play and felt like there wasn't enough because at that point you have to now have enough evidence to overturn the call. Mm-hmm. And the weight of that probably would not have been enough there to actually change the call. It might have just stood had they reviewed it. All right. Uh, uh, the outcome of that aside, it was a money ball by Kenny Pickett. Yeah, and you know it was a great route by Johnson. Get separation and just has to finish. And to his credit, Johnson said after you just have to finish the play. Even if he had that third foot down, don't give the ref anything, any ammunition to potentially overturn that call and call it incomplete. You have to finish that play. Yeah, and boy, that would have really that would have changed the complexion quite a bit there, uh, especially what happened on the next play because you had went what. A ten play drive on 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 the second possession of the game, and then to have it back to back end in in the way that incomplete pass was to Deontay, and then obviously the the Jalen Warren fumble that, that that followed. Yeah, so third and two, Pittsburgh runs it left side with Jalen Warren. He fumbles, you know, going to the ground. Ball bounces away, recovered by the Bengals, and returned a long way as well. And great point by you, Dave, to give props to Connor Hayward for making that tackle because if he doesn't, that's almost certainly going to be a touchdown the other way. Who knows what the outcome of that mm-hmm. game looks like from there. But the attention is going to Deontay Johnson on that play who – you know, it's third and two. He just kind of walks off the line, which to be fair, that happens. You see receivers do that from time to time. But as the ball's bouncing around him, he's oblivious to it, never runs at all. Never, even when other guys are running the other direction, Johnson, until we, from what I can tell, we'll see what the all 22 says, but never appears to run at all. And that's, of course, been called into question for his effort and lack of awareness. I would imagine there's quite a coaching teaching moment there within that from several aspects, not only the way uh, Deontay performed on that play or didn't perform, but the way Connor Hayward performed on that play. Never, never assume anything because, look, you have a guy that had had speed and they pointed that out on the TV broadcast there. Uh, If if Connor Hayward's not. not not chasing that end up making a tackle that that that's a touchdown the other way in my opinion i agree now johnson said post game he never saw the football and maybe he didn't i don't know how he couldn't have seen that something was going on considering the the action around him but even as players are running the other direction from what i can tell from the tv view that we have johnson never even started to 
give the appearance of running the other way. He just kind of walked and watched the world go by. So even if you want to grant him that he never saw the football, once he realized that something was happening, there was no effort to even try to get into in, involved and into the play. Looking at a headline, I guess this is either first take or get up on, on my screen right now. Big bold letters said down on Deontay. And at that, at that point of the game right there, uh, on that fumble, it was real easy to be down on Deontay because you obviously don't, don't, don't catch the, well, it started with him going backwards on running backwards on, on, on one of those catches that he had. I, I think that was a player. I think it was earlier in that drive. Was it not? Or was it on the first drive? I, I forget. But I think at that point he had to run backwards, uh, at that point, then you have the failure to secure the football in the end zone like that. And then the very next play, uh, you have, you know, the, the, the noticeable lack of effort or looks like lack of effort uh, on, on the fumble there. So uh, within a matter of the first however many plays in the game, I think that was at that point, what, 14? You had three three negatives associated with him. Now, mm-hmm. to, now to his credit, uh, and look, I'm, I'm not going to – I, I think Deontay, when he's on, is 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 can be a great player uh, for this team. We've seen it time and oh, yeah. time, time, time and time again. Uh, things like this, and then obviously, look, we can rewind this back to what what reportedly happened in the locker room after the Browns game, right? We haven't even hit on that. Right. That, that 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 news wasn't even out there when we recorded the podcast uh, uh, last time. But uh, the kind of the blow up in the locker room and him and Minka having to be separated and 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 that kind of thing. There, uh, you have that stuff, and then you turn around. And you have the three things that happened within the first fourteen plays of the game. It's not a great look overall. Now, once again, I'm not going to sit here and de- uh, defend uh, Deontay, other than saying at least throughout the rest of the game, he made some plays. He did bounce back. He had a couple of great catches, that one sideline grab, which was a great ball by Kenny Pickett, the third down in the fourth quarter to get 12 on third nine over the middle of a really nice snag. The ball was a little bit low, a little bit away. It had to be a pure hands catch for Deontay reaching down to, to grab it, and he did, so kudos to him for that. He's just a guy that he gets in these swings. He stacks bad plays, and he, I think – Part, part of the reason why he was so just kind of listless on that fumble was he's still in his head about the play before, and he just has to have a short-term memory. And I've seen this before with drops back in, what, 2020 or 2021, where he just stacks things and things get in his head. But sure, if you're going to be the guy that chirps and wants the ball and says you're open and you can't make these plays, you know, you got to back it up. And, and And he did do that in the second half. But early in that game, for all the frustration that he showed the week prior, and as you said, Adam Schefter reporting that after the game, Johnson was apparently chirping coaches to the locker room and then Minka Fitzpatrick intervened. Those two got into a quote heated argument had to be broken up by Cam Hayward and TJ Watt. Johnson downplayed it speaking to reporters after the uh, Bengals game yesterday said it was all overblown. Everything's good. They squashed it, which they probably did. These things can happen from time to time. But point is, if you're going to chirp and say, Hey, get me the ball, you better make plays when they get you the football. Yeah. And then on top of that, it was disappointing to see him jump on Twitter after the game too. Which I'm not even sure what he was trying to say and yeah. interpret his comments. They seemed a little off kilter. Look, just lay low and go yeah. home and relax and enjoy the W, man. Right. You know, uh, that 
you know, the way he stacks these plays and then kind of his attitude a- a- afterwards like this on social media, that, 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 that really sours people. And once again, I, I think he's a, he can be, we've seen him. He's a phenomenal player. He's one of the best separators, uh, in the NFL, but, uh, uh, sometimes I think he gets in his own way too much. I agree. He's a really talented player. He's made some unbelievable plays. And as you said, a great separator, great route runner. When he is at his best, he is tough to stop. But there's just too many swings and too many stacking of bad plays. And sometimes he can be his own worst enemy. Just stop caring so much about what insignificant people like us (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, tweet and say and all like that. You know, don't don't worry about that stuff. And once again, I, I would imagine uh, there's, there's quite a, quite a teaching moment within what, what happened early in that game. Sure. All right, Dave, moving on from that other thoughts for the offense here, anything we haven't addressed so far? Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to, I wanted to mm-hmm. ask you this, uh, sure. take, and it's, it, it, it's, it's hard to kind of set this up because you cherry pick quite a bit, but outside of the two middle of the field throws to Pat Firemuth, the, uh, the, the two deep ones outside to Deontay. And, and I'm not trying to downplay these. I'm just trying to find the next one on the list. Cause I mean, he, he dropped that one right in the bucket to, uh, Deont- to Deontay. And how good was it to see that slot fade work? Cause they've tried to hit that a couple of times to, to George Pickens, uh, uh, th- uh, over, over the season. I mean, how good was it to see mm-hmm. him? Can he drop that one in there? Take away those four throws. All right. Or, okay. or, or move past those four throws. What was the next? Uh, and I don't know if, how much time you're able to, to spend on this last night. What was the most impressive throw pat, past those four? Um, trying to think. I'd have to, to go back through it. I mean, again, I think some of this was the Bengals are playing softer coverage because they were missing their top corner, Cam Taylor Britt. And so they kind of kept things in front. I mean, again, Deontay had to reach for it a bit, but that that completion to him on third and nine, fourth quarter, you know, you got a real heavy pressure look in front. I thought Pickett did struggle against pressure and those sim looks on third down overall, but to stand tall and, you know, throw a mostly accurate football that was catchable in that situation to convert on third nine was a pretty important play. Uh, I, I didn't even have that one circled. The one that I had circled was the, well, where did it go? The, I'm sure there's another one. I'm just trying to think back to that. Uh, it was either a second or third down throw over to the left side uh, with w- one of those picks, uh, uh, pick, you know, kind of rub offs in, in, in the situation there. Where was that? Uh, third and six in the third quarter, uh, 326 left. Uh, over to the left side there. That was the one where I think Dax Hill was uh, closely guarding Pat Firemuth over there on the sideline. Uh, Kenny Pickett put it put it on him over there on the sideline. Once again, it was a, uh, kind of a continuation of a of a rub off, but there still wasn't a lot of great separation on that. And 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 Kenny Pickett put it put it right on. That was a third and six from the uh, Bengals twenty five. If you don't convert there. You're kicking a field goal right there, mm. but instead they got the first down, and three plays later they got the touchdown. That was the out route to the sideline, right. whatever it was, right? Okay, yeah, and that's why I was a little less concerned, a little less hyper-focused on middle of the field and more on just get the ball to other guys than just Pickens and Johnson, and that's a great example of that. They, they had a couple of out routes to Frymuth, I think, on third down or stuff that picked up you know decent 
yardage. So yeah, that's a great pull by you. That's that's probably a better throw than what I suggested from Kenny Pickett in a, in a big time moment. And I know Ross McCorkle's listening to this, or, or Ross McCorkle, and I, I don't want to in, influence this in any way. And and you know, I, I'm I'm open to a lot of pushback here uh, on this. Was that the turning point of the game? Could could that throw and conversion on third and six to Pat Frymuth be 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 a turning point in the game? Obviously, you don't you don't know how the game's going to play out uh, at, yeah. at, at, at at that point, but it was. What was the score at that point? It was seven to three, right? Yes, I believe so. All right. So you, if if you don't convert there on third and six, you're kicking the field goal and you're down seven to six, and you're 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 really disappointed because at that point, I mean, th- that ended up being a fourteen play scoring drive at that point. Yeah. There. Although I think the turning point will do Ross's job for him is the Trenton Thompson interception because okay. the Bengals were driving and that led to that long touchdown drive that Pittsburgh had. All right. Well, at least offensively, that might have been the turning point mm-hmm. uh, of the game. And I'm, I'm adding qualifiers there. But uh, going back through the TV tape and matching it up with 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 with, with the play-by-play sheet and all, uh, I've, I found that, once again, I'm not diminishing the other four throws <laughs> that, that Kenny Pickett made that were all explosive plays. I was just trying to find out what was the the – the the next less mm-hmm. obvious uh, uh, money throw that Kenny Pickett made in that game. A critical play, nonetheless, to convert on third down, uh, a bugaboo for this offense really throughout the entire season, but specifically the last two weeks in particular. So again, you know, throw away the, the end game, kneel down eight of 16 on third down, 50%. That is where you That's want to huge. be as an offense. That's yeah, huge. Again, 16 third down attempts, maybe a bit too much, but, but eight conversions, I'll sign up for that. Let's talk about the Najee Harris touchdown. Do you think there was holding on Darnell Washington? Chris Hope apparently pretty adamant there was holding, and he can't believe that uh, the refs did not penalize Washington. Yeah, I, I, I kind of see where he's coming from. I don't know. There. I now, look, at, at one point there, that the hands are hidden inside, and anytime, anytime that you can get those hands locked mm-hmm. inside, good on you, and you sh- you know, uh, less likely to get, just for the fact that you're able to get those hands inside like that. But, uh, uh, yeah. yeah but. I'm not trying to diminish or 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 or, or take away here, but uh, I was uh, especially with there being laundry on the field. There, uh, I was I was really surprised they picked it up. They did throw the flag right, and they picked yeah. it up. That's yeah, that was interesting yeah. to see that conversation. What that would have been like? Yeah, I mean, it might have been, but I'm not going to complain. I'll, I'll take some breaks. This team's offense could use a break every now and then. Right, and look, you can go through this game. I think there was a. You know, obviously a couple of holds on the Steelers that didn't get called. Now, obviously, you're talking about a significant play on a touchdown in 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 in, in this situation here. But uh, I was a bit surprised they they <laughs> uh, didn't leave that yellow on the field there. I'll just leave it at that. Outside of that, though, and and I have not seen. I don't know if PFF has updated the grades yet. Uh, Darnell Washington really looked good in the blocking uh, aspect of this game. Yeah, and they played him a lot, 37 snaps, I believe. I'll check if the grades are up. I don't believe they are, but um, usually those come in a bit later on the day. Let me just try to pull it up here. If PFF will want to load, but 37 snaps for Washington in this game. Uh, PFF taking a second. Uh, I don't know. Just I'll, I'll keep. I'll vamp it and talk through it. But, uh, but no, Najee Harris overall. They're not up. Okay. Najee Harris overall in this game ran just really hard. I mean, he was just dragging defenders with him, really kind of the Najee Harris game. So that's why, you know, you have a committee approach. Some games, it'll be the Jalen Warren show. Some games, it'll be the Najee Harris uh, show. 
You have two talented backs that that can win, that can churn out tough yardage, that can mirror the identity and what the personality of this team wants to be. So I'm again, I, I've said it, I'll say it again. I'm happy both guys are in Pittsburgh. They're both assets to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, and uh, we saw you know, going back to that uh, third down throw uh, to Deontay Johnson there. Uh, it's good. Good. Ken, Kenny really felt comfortable, a lot more comfortable recognizing what with what, what he was seeing and the fact that they get a middle of the field uh, 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 completion running out in space in that situation uh, was was a pretty key moment, too. Yeah, for sure. So uh, any, any other thoughts here offensively? The offensive line, I mean, the run blocking obviously seemed, you know, strong. I don't have any maybe one person in particular to stand out with. Uh, maybe some issues with the tackles and pass pro mm-hmm. a tiny bit. Broderick Jones uh, had some issues around the edge against Miles Murphy, the rookie. I know the holding call he got flagged on. That's partially because Pickett's rolling to his right and you're trying to react to it and, and you have a higher tendency for holding calls to exist in those moments. So I don't know if I would completely blame Jones for that, but just overall, maybe Jones didn't have his best game in pass protection. I would agree, and and I would think that your interior guys are probably going to grade out a little bit better, especially in the pass protection aspect uh, of this game than the tackles did. Did we see some dart with more going the other way in this one? We did at least one snap of a dart play, the backside tackle, in this case, more pulling left to right. So there's a little bit of a switch up. We don't, we, we mostly have seen uh, Broderick Jones coming the other way. Mostly. They have done it with more, at least on a, one occasion this year. And they were doing it in camp a lot. They just, you know, weren't doing it until Jones kind of became the starter. So, um, yeah, I don't know how many guys we saw pulling in this game overall. We saw a little bit of, of that with, with more. Did they pull the guards much in this game? Do you think they did? I, I, uh, I, I didn't hyper focus on that through the TV tape run through last night, but there were, there were at least a couple of plays where I think where, where you saw that happen. Once again, I, I thought the run blocking as a whole was, was good mm-hmm. by this line. Yeah. So overall got the job done. That Bengals D line stuff. I mean, those guys make some plays Hendrickson and, and Hill was available and Raider Hubbard, and back. Hubbard back. Yeah. And Murphy off the edge. They're their top rookie. So this talent up front, no shame and losing a couple of reps there. Uh, a- a- any other final thoughts? Really to me, the question is, okay, talk of this offense 421 on offense yardage, you know, picket fluid great on third down. Why only 16 points? Yeah, that's the uh, goes back to we got to score more points here, and obviously you left one touchdown on the field there with with the Deontay Johnson one that you should have had. Uh, I mean, if you would have told me ahead of this game, you know, let 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 let's assume that they get that touchdown in that situation in a game, you know, twenty three points would have been more than enough to win this game. Yeah, I mean, so, sixteen so, was, but but yeah, twenty three would have right. been right. So you compared. left you left that one one red zone trip uh, uh, on the field, so to speak. There, so that 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 made the huge difference in your scoring. Yeah, Pittsburgh one of four in the red zone. There's one negative number to be one of four in the red zone is an ugly number. Right, but at least they did possess the football, and. Uh, I like those uh, three and out kneel downs. I could get used to that. <laughs> yeah, but but again, why only sixteen points? I think there was so much neg- so much negativity in this game. Whether that's the Johnson, you know, incompletion followed by the Warren fumble to some sacks, some penalties, just some drive killers that are tough to overcome. So I, while the the running game did not produce a negativity, as you as you said, there was negativity in the passing game. Right that you know created a problem and then of course the Warren fumble is not a, a negative play in yardage but a negative play in outcome 
Boy, they like to continue to buck some of these things. Uh, statistically, what did I say? Uh, Kenny Pickett, uh, uh, Justin Net Yards. Uh, let's see. Kenny Pickett posted a 7.66. Man, hang that one in the Louvre. Uh, Kenny Pickett posted a 7.66 adjusted net yards for passing attempt stat on Sunday and even with no TD passes and being sacked twice. Uh, that's hard to do. I was going to ask last quarterback to do that. I don't know. I, 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 I'd have to look. I mean, I'm sure it's probably happened a lot more than what, sure. What we think, but, uh, and look, uh, where else was his uh, average depth of completion target uh, in this one? 6.4 air yards per completion average, which isn't by any stretch of the imagination huge, but it's it's a lot better for him uh, in this one. I think his, his, his intended air yards was something like 8.4 or something like that uh, uh, overall. So, uh, uh, you know, and obviously didn't turn the football over and got sacked twice, but for, for him not to throw any touchdowns in this game and to have be sacked twice for, I think 10 yards in this game to still put up a 7.6 adjusted net yard for passing attempt number, uh, let you know that he was pushing the football down the field in this one, or at least getting the run after the catch, yada, yada. I know it can be a little cliche and trite to say he was playing with more confidence but I think he was, or at the least, he was a lot more decisive in this game. He just felt more comfortable with where to go with the football, and they got into a rhythm. And again, it just felt like the offense was running a lot smoother than it had been virtually all season. Right. And look, uh, you know, we, we, we've talked, I keep going back. We got to go back to third downs. Third downs were very significant in this game. Not only just third downs overall, but the uh, third downs with five or fewer yards, just magnificent, magnificent, uh, magnificent, <laughs> magnificent. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was. All right. Flipping over to I the Steelers. I need another pot of coffee here. <laughs> we're both, uh, hey, it's a victory Monday that we'll take it overall. Um, going over to the Steelers defense here to me. Not that it was any shock, but the goal was to contain that Bengals run game, make Jake Browning in his first career start, make some plays, try to win that game. They did not just minimize that Bengals run game. They they took it away. I mean, they rushed for 25 yards. Uh, they didn't have Cincinnati didn't have a single rushing first down in this game. I mean, there was nothing with the, there with the run game. And I think maybe the best mark you can, you can say about this defense is what TJ Watson after the game was. The defense spent a lot of time on the bench. 41 plays the Bengals ran from scrimmage in this game. That's the fewest that Pittsburgh has um, uh, had allowed, I guess, an opponent has run against them the entire season. It's one of the lowest marks of the last like two decades. So uh, just for this team to uh, to possess the ball offensively. And then when the defense was on the field, they won on third down. They shut down the run game, did not allow the big play. You're going to win those games. The Bengals try the Steelers, the Steelers <laughs> <laughs> win, win ugly uh, in, in, in this one. And look, you even look at uh, Jamar Chase had four catches for 81 yards. Two of those came on just, I mean, unlucky pass tip tip situations in here and look kudos to him i mean that he's he's paid his money too right so uh uh definitely good on him that he he had the wherewithal to to, to grab a couple of those uh tip passes uh do the Steelers need to start drafting a little bit uh, the, uh, the these a little bit taller inside linebackers because michael <laughs> walker got up uh got up a little bit what what's michael walker go six two six two and something 
Uh, let's see. Should, whatever it was, need another inch there, probably. But uh, what is uh, Walker's height? Maybe we can. I uh, no, I, I'm s- saying six three. Okay, what I'm saying here is 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 normally the skaters like those six six foot six one guys, and I'm not sure a uh, I'm, I'm I'm not sure one of those guys gets up and gets that. In other words, I was glad to see him get up and and especially as close as he was to the line of scrimmage in that situation of being drawn up, uh, getting the hand on the football. Just the the unfortunate part was it landed in Jamar Chase's uh, uh, hands and and and. The other one was what well, that was Casey coming was flying. Casey. He should have picked that one. Yeah. Casey should have had the pick. Yeah, I, I bet he's kicking himself on 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 that one there. But uh, uh, once again, two of the four receptions to Jamar Chase came that way. The other one he earned that one and and uh, down the right sideline there, and that was overall really good coverage. I thought, but Joey mm-hmm. Porter uh, Jr. and you know he even tried to get the hand you know up 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 last minute there and. Look, the other guys are paid to make play, make make plays as well too, and I, I just chalked that off up to a good receiver won that one in a contested catch situation uh, overall. But I mean, he was he was your uh, they 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 kept we talked about Tyler Boyd and having to keep him uh, uh, contained because obviously, look, they they were without T Higgins in this game, and that was a big blow to them uh, overall. But they kept Tyler Boyd in check overall on his three catches. Uh, Trying to think what what else uh, kind of point to make here. One of those mixing uh, catches late in the game, the thirty nine yarder you uh, pointed out late last night. There, the Steelers only had ten guys on the field uh, in that situation. There, missing Darius Rush was out there for the next snap, so that's one reason why that run went for so long, but ultimately did not hurt the Steelers. Yeah, Chase, you know, no back breaking plays. Nobody else stepped up. They got the one play action, the sample in the left lat where Pittsburgh was out of position and he, you know, had a lot of room to, to put that ball in the end zone. But um, again, not a lot of stuff really hurt you. Just to go back to Joe Mixon, his stat line, eight carries, 16 yards along a four. I mean, you take that all day. If you tell me they're going to run for 25 yards and probably going to have to win that game. You know, you, you roll that dice and I'm, you're pretty confident in that situation. So I thought the pressure was a bit more consistent. You sacked Browning four times. The interior D line got more of a push to help collapse that pocket. That was critical. And then the big interception by Trenton Thompson. I think that is a turning point of the game. Bengals driving. They're at Pittsburgh's 18. And then Thompson jumping the curl route into the flat, picking that one off. Leads to the Najee Harris touchdown the other way to get Pittsburgh the lead. Um, Trenton Thompson, man, kudos to him. Uh He's he's impressed since he got signed mid-camp. He got signed. You know, that's why there's no camp bodies, because he got signed when the safeties were all hurt. Corey Trice went down for the year. Thompson came in. He impressed in camp. He's got size. He hits. He can cover. Had a pick in the preseason. He's active around the football. And against the Browns last week, he dropped that one on Cooper on the sideline. He did not drop this one. Made up for that mistake, and that was a big time play. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I think a thing that 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 sticks out with him, uh, uh, least on the tape, is he he does a great job of coming up and breaking down and 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 making tackles in space. Yeah, I, I he. he Described himself a couple weeks ago as a well-rounded player, and I agree. He does kind of everything well, um, but he's aggressive, and he he read that play, and he took his chance. He was going for the football the whole way. Browning never saw him, and to jump that one out there in the flat, um, yeah, just just a big-time uh, splash play. Absolutely, right when they needed it, too, down in the Steelers' own, 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 own end of the field. Uh, Joey Porter uh, Jr., uh, spent a lot of time traveling with Chase. What was it? Something like 90% of the snaps or something like that. He followed Chase around. 
Yeah, I forget the exact stat. It was a lot, though. He was certainly shadowing him. Um, so there was no question about Pittsburgh's game game plan. Uh, the They did a good job with getting pressure overall, mostly with, with four-man situation. You know, another unfortunate thing, the, the first half of this game, the Steelers the Steelers were winning the game at halftime, but they weren't winning the game. <laughs> well, you said it was Steelers beating Steelers. Yeah. At half. Yeah. You had uh Channon Sullivan come to, how did he not get the sack on rounding on, 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 on that one there. And then to follow it up, TJ Watt gets the penalty on, on, uh, on the back end of that there. That was obviously unfortunate uh, in that situation there. Uh, here's something I, I have a, a pretty big takeaway about. Uh, Alex, I don't know about you, but I would probably try to block TJ Watt sometimes. It's a bold strategy. That's okay. why we're paid the big bucks. But yeah, that third and three late in the game, I, I think though, honestly, that nickel blitz by Sullivan influenced the tackle on the tight end because Sullivan came in and it, it, they still should have picked up Watt, obviously. Right. But I think it kind of screwed with their eyes a bit where this guy came in late and they timed it well and, and Watt came free. But yeah, leaving TJ Watt unblocked, you're going to have a bad time. Yeah, I'm going to call that a, a, a something that they might want to focus on, any team for that matter. <laughs> that there. rematch, yeah, the right. coaching point for the rematch later this uh, year. Let's see here. What, uh, the other sack, uh, having to go through two people, uh, what, what was impressive on that. Uh, Cameron Hayward getting him uh, one in this game and wanted to make sure that uh, T.J. Watt didn't does not get that one. <laughs> you think they're going to uh, change that? Do you think they're going to split that? I, no, I, I, well, look, uh, just from the quick rundown on a TV tape, I, I think I think Hayward was there enough. If okay. if, if anything, they split that one, but uh, hopefully they don't. Uh, uh, in that situation, there, uh, Ogan Joby doing a good. They talked about getting their hands up uh, in this in this quick passing game. Uh, especially coming out of the, 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 the Browns game, you saw one instance of Larry Ogunjobi not getting home and getting hands up for a pass, uh, bat down. Uh, that was good to see, uh, Nick Herbig, uh, boy, that guy can go from point A to point or point, point A to point B in a, in a hurry on that sack, uh, there drops into coverage on that one, sees Browning, uh, rolling out and boy, he got home quick. On, on, on that sack shot out of a cannon and he just kind of I love the mentality of okay I'm, I'm not gonna let this dude just run around Browning and just try to you know find a play I'm gonna go attack him and not try to figure out what he's gonna do and react to it I'm gonna go make the play and it's funny both of his sacks this year have come in place where he either dropped into coverage or was supposed to drop into mm. coverage that first one against the Rams he was supposed to drop he just ended, ended up blitzing and and got the sack because of it so I love that mentality and, and yeah that dude that dude came in like a bowl, bowl of lightning to take down Browning. And he only played, and this goes back to something we said earlier here, he only played three snaps in this game. But when he's yeah. on the field, he's not playing a lot of snaps. But when he's on the field, he's making a key play. You know? Oh, yeah. Now, I, I'm not as upset about the lack of rotation because when the Bengals have 41 oh, no. plays in total, yeah. you know, then obviously you guys are fresh and there's not a concern about rotation. So this is okay. But yeah, I mean, Herbig since the buy, how many, how many snaps has he played? I mean, he's, he's the production, like on, on a per snap basis, he might be the most productive <laughs> yeah. rusher in football right now. Since the buy, he's played, I don't know, 35 snaps or so. Or so. He's got two sacks. He's got horse fumble. He's got three tackles for a loss. And yeah, I mean, that's, that's remarkable. Uh, trying to think what else, uh, 
did you notice a couple of times in the TV tape and go, uh, I didn't know, maybe you noticed this more live than I, uh, than I did, but I noticed that fact. And this is something that I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves moving forward here, but they were able to isolate a Landon Roberts, uh, outside on the edge with, with, uh, uh a running back a couple of times. Is that something that we're going to have to pay attention to more moving forward in the past game you're talking mm-hmm. about? They went empty a couple times and they put the back out. So sometimes if you're in man, you're going to you know, match with him with the linebacker. So, yeah, I mean, I noticed that a few times, but nothing consequential. Nothing, nothing came, came out of it. Right, yeah. right. And I thought he still made some plays. I thought, I thought even Highsmith and Watt and Roberts in coverage, those guys made plays. Watt had like two tackles in coverage. So Watt came made. down on one of those on either a second or a third down, I think, over mm-hmm. to his side, uh, came down and, and blew that up pretty quickly. Yeah, so those guys that maybe aren't normally dropping into coverage or aren't known for the coverage, you know, kudos to Roberts. You know, we kind of criticized Dave for not being a cover guy. He's covered extremely well in some more short areas, but still he's done a really, really nice job. So kudos to him for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we'll see how much he gets tested go, going forward. And they obviously didn't push the football down the field. I thought uh, uh, Browning was bailing out of a couple of pockets in this game or a couple situations where maybe I, I, I thought he could uh, climb up in, 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 in the pocket and didn't, but they obviously, they, their, their goal in this game was once again, you kind of like the Steelers like to do, don't make, try to not make any mistakes and uh, any, any critical errors, get the ball out as quickly as you can. And, uh, you know, obviously they didn't have much of a run game to, to lean on. And you had to know, uh, as is the case every week that the Steelers defense were going to come into this game, trying to shut down Joe Mixon. And they did. Yeah. Since Kim Hayward's return, this run defense has really tightened up and hopefully get back Minka Fitzpatrick next week. And you're going to have a, you know, your, your run guys back. Uh, whenever Minka comes back, let's assume it's next Sunday. Who starts opposite of him? Will it still be Trenton Thompson? I'm, I'm, I'm leaning that way. Have they, have they used him more free or strong? No, he's been more of a strong safety. Okay. Uh, so, and, and I don't think Casey's going to, Casey's, you know, free safety. He's, right. he's a hitter, but he's not really a box type. I think, I think it'll be Thompson and, and Minka until Neil returns. I think you might be right there. Yeah. He's earned it. Yeah. He's, he's, uh, he, it's definitely hasn't been too big for him. Any other thoughts here? Defensively? They, they can move. They, they can rotate both those guys as well, too. I, I think they trust Thompson enough to, to move into the middle of the field sometimes. Yeah, and Casey will still play in dime. I mean, if Casey's your dime defender, which was the case last year, you're really happy with that package. And I think a couple of times in this game, you'll see Patrick Peterson even sprint back to middle of the field. Yeah, I know he did at least on one occasion. And they're traveling more, not only just Porter, of course, on on top receivers, but you're seeing a lot of teams in recent weeks do these two-by-two sets. You'll have twin receivers to one side, two receivers to the other side, and you're seeing Pittsburgh now travel and put Peterson or occasionally Porter uh, over slot. And so you didn't always see that in the past, maybe partly because Minka would often roll down and play slot uh, role in those kind of looks and him being out, he may change things up a bit, but I have noticed a trend in the NFL to go 12 personnel, two tight ends to one side, two wide receivers to the other side, usually the open side of the field and see how defenses defend you. Uh, I didn't, I didn't pay attention much in the, in the TV tape to uh, Darius rush. What what did you see out of rush in, in his usage? He didn't yeah, play just, a lot of snaps overall, what, eight or nine, I think? All dime packages. Um, yeah, nothing incredibly notable. He was supposed to be out there for that one snap, right. so want to make a note there. But, yeah, I mean, for a rookie to come in and get those situational snaps, that that's a good learning, learning experience. All right. What else from the defense stuck out? 
I think that's probably all my initial thoughts here, Dave. So there is kind of one uh, ugly mark for this this game. Special teams not yes. at its finest, and I made the point, and I think Mike Tomlin talked about it after the game. That field position, that battle, Pittsburgh was losing pretty routinely, especially in the first half of this one. Not downing punts, allowing long kickoff returns, uh, penalties that negated punt returns, those types of things. I mean, from a pure punting and kicking standpoint, Boz and Harvin looked just fine, but the other stuff I thought was really allowing Cincinnati to hang to uh, hang around in that game. Yeah, that first punt, we talked about that last night in 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 our Discord chat there. Uh there's no way you can't let that. I mean, you you've got to have the wherewithal of where you were at on the field. You got to make sure that gets down inside the 5 in that situation. Yeah, I mean, you just have to to be able to down that one. There's no no question about and that. And then the squib kickoff, right, was the one that they returned quite a ways. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, I don't know exactly what the issue was on that one, but um, yeah, kick coverage has been a little bit shakier lately. And then you had a couple of special teams penalties, didn't you? Mark, didn't Mark Robinson have one? Mm-hmm. And, Austin had a pretty decent run back, and that got wiped out, which has happened a couple times this year. And then I think uh, Carpenter, the, the, Carpenter, Carpenter, yeah, what, what was was one that got called there? So not not a bad outside. I mean, Boz did what he, he you know he's supposed to do, and I I think. Harvin punted pretty well overall, don't you think? Yeah, I thought his punts were money. Just, you know, unfortunately, there were two touchbacks, which you just is not is more on the coverage unit than it is right. on, I think, Harvin there. I have a, a stat of the weird I do want to mention about Chris Boswell because uh, he has been just automatic, especially against the Bengals, including the playoffs in his career. Boswell is 43 of 45 against wow. the Bengals on field goals. That's 95.6% uh, in the regular season. Uh, Boswell's field goal percentage against all their uh, all other opponents is eighty five point four percent. So uh, he's just money against Cincinnati. All right, can't wait to look at the all twenty two on this one and talk more about it on Wednesday. Yeah, so probably take a uh, that's probably our, our recap analysis of this game until we see the all twenty two should be really fun. Like for once, we're excited to watch mm-hmm. all twenty two of this game uh, more than we have been in quite some time. So. Any other thoughts here, Dave, or do you want to get to some reader emails and close out today's show? Yeah, I think we can get to the reader email portion here. Let me sort them out here. We have Antonio Frazier writes in, as always, thanks for being the best place to get real real Steelers news and analysis. I'm so excited to finally see the Steelers look like a real offense and like they have a plan. I'm not trying to get too high, but do believe this could be a turning point in our season. Do you feel that uh, feel that all this was because we played a bad Bengals defense, or or was it really all about getting rid of Canada? Also, it looks like the Steelers had a good weekend with all the other teams losing. So, do you think they have a real shot at being division winners? Thanks again for all you guys do. Uh, throughout the year, really help us understand the Steelers. You guys rock. All right, thank you, thank you, Antonio. Uh, look, it, it 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 this wasn't a great defense overall, and they were without Cam uh, Taylor Britt uh, in this one, and you had Hubbard coming back from injury overall. But look, we've seen this Steelers team go up against some defenses and and think they should have had better performance than 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 what they uh had in this game. Now without a doubt this was Steelers beating Steelers in this game. So uh look this is the NFL on any given Sunday the way is the way I look at it. So uh I'm 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 not reading I'm looking at the totality of what we saw this offense do and not do from 
schematics and, and mixing up uh, tendencies and doing some of the stuff out of two and three tight ends and spreading the football around and some, and, and, and at least, you know, five money throws that Kenny Pickett made in this game. And really a six, when you include the drop to, uh, or whatever you, do you consider that a drop semantics? But yeah, I mean, yeah, you, what else would you call it? It's in his hands and he did not complete the play, whether or not you know, it was ruled correctly is moot at that point. So yeah, I would call that a drop. Uh, long story short, Antonio, I, I, I imagine Alex feels the same about, about this. Uh, I'm not, I'm not, reading too much into quote unquote, as you list here, bad Bengals defense. That, that, that's the furthest thing from my mind. I think coming out of this game here overall. No, I agree. I mean, a, I think the Bengals the numbers may not show, may not show it. I think it's a talented Bengals defense. There are some real talented guys, especially that front seven. And listen, the Steelers have been a bad offense. And mm-hmm. so it's not like we, it's not like it's the, the, you know, the Eagles or whatever beating up on some crappy defense. Okay. That's one thing. But when the Steelers have been miserable and can't get, get out of their own way and can't make plays to, to see that and, and then make some plays, I'm not going to, not going to put the asterisk next to it really at all because Pittsburgh has struggled against good defenses, bad defenses, et cetera, uh, to see them play, you know, their most fluid game of the season. I'll take it. Is that a point? Uh, do you do you think this could be a turning point in our season uh, and 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 win the AFC North? Look, I mean, Baltimore uh, won again Sunday night. It's they do, I think, have a couple of tough games coming up and all like that. And as far look, here's the other thing: <laughs> this as bad as this bad as this offense has been, this team, the Steelers team, went into yesterday's game with a six and four record. They're seven and four now. They still have not played their best offensive game of the season yet. You know, or they, they, it feels like they could play better on offense at this point. Obviously, need to try to find a way to put up more than 16 points. I, I, I will say this coming out of, out of week 12 of the NFL season right now. It will be an absolute shame, surprise, whatever you want to call it, if this team's not, not in the playoffs. Yeah, they should get there. I don't think they win the division. I think Baltimore's got a pretty good stranglehold on that. I know that Pittsburgh will see them again in week 18, and we'll see what happens, but I'm pretty confident the Ravens will be AFC North champs as long as Lamar Jackson stays healthy. It's kind of this time of year where he's gotten hurt, so hopefully he stays healthy for for their sake. Um, Will it be a turning point for the season? It's hard to say. It is just one game. Uh, the, ske- the schedule is favorable. You're facing a Cardinals team that's, what, 2-10 and 10 up next, and so you know at home, that's going to help. No guarantees, of course. Um you know, I'm taking it game by game right now, to be, to be honest with you. Uh, Mark Miller writes in, one score wins that are sustainable. Like most of Steelers Nation, I'm absolutely thrilled right now from a fan's perspective. Well, we've ridden some roller coasters this year, haven't we, mm-hmm, uh, yeah. uh, with this season? Uh, from a fan's perspective, my issue with winning close games was never the problem. It was seeing that we were winning in spite of the offense, not because of anything that they were doing. You can't win when it counts if, if the only real positive is no turnovers. Sunday's score looks the same, but, man, it was completely different feel to the game. Kenny made better decisions, looked more comfortable. We were able to overcome negative plays to sustain drives, and frankly, the players didn't become disinterested when the ball wasn't coming their way early, he writes. This team 
Uh, Sunday's team can, can beat anyone on the schedule and go toe to toe with anyone in the playoffs. They are building to the future. I honestly think 12 and five is on the table. And if we continue to progress, I'm not afraid to face any team in the playoffs. Uh, look on the AFC side of things right now, at least from where it stands. Here's the thing. Buffalo's just been very, you know, Buffalo has gotten some things straightened out. They're just, they're not. They're, they're turning the football over at wrong times. Uh, Kansas City, they've got some straightening out to do uh, on the offensive side of football, it still feels like. Uh, Baltimore Steelers have obviously know what they're getting and have had success against Baltimore the last couple of years, and Lamar Jackson uh, specifically. I don't want to get way too far out there. Look, this team needs to make sure they get in the playoffs first and foremost, and, and we see what Miami is doing on top of uh, left them out in all that there. Does it feel like there's a, I, I, I see where he's going here and I don't want to get too far out because we go from one week thinking this team, you know, to reading emails, this team's awful fire everybody to, to getting e emails like this. We're absolutely thrilled right now. Um, this team needs to build on what they did offensively against Cincinnati. You got games coming up against, uh, the Cardinals, the Patriots, the Colts, and look, the Colts are playing pretty decent ball right now. But you you look at you look at these games right now that the Steelers have last, and you got Cincinnati again, obviously without Burrow. Who the hell is Seattle right mm. now? And then you end the season with Baltimore, and that game might, for all we know, be insignificant to the Baltimore come that time. Uh, just win win these games. You're supposed to win, you know. Yeah, take care of business week by week. I'm not – I'll pump the brakes a bit on kind of the we want Bama talk. Like there's still a lot of good NFL teams out there that Pittsburgh can have some severe challenges against just, again, scoring points and trying to keep up in more you know offensively-minded type circumstances. Um, but I'm happy with where things are at for this first game. Have to build upon that. Pittsburgh still has to cut, cut down on mistakes and play that complete game, which they have not played a complete game, you know, really all units all season long but it's a step in the right direction. Now the question is, can you build off of it? I tell you what, you keep holding teams under 20 points on the scoreboard. You're going to have whoever the team is. Uh, obviously you would think it'd be a little bit tougher to do in the playoffs here, but uh, uh, you, you hold the, hold a team under 20 points right now. You, you got to think even, you know, the Steelers, can old time Steelers, you know, uh, from by what I mean is earlier in the season, pull out a couple, of, you know, maybe pull out a W that way. But yeah. uh, uh, just just be grateful. We saw some of the positives that we're talking about in this game, even though they only scored 16 points overall. Uh, the things that we're talking about, eight of 17 on third down, 421 total net yards, 68 offensive plays. Boy, you gave Tom Mead the shaft this week. Mm -hmm. It's about time, Tom. I needed a break. Uh, 41 plays for me. I, I was I was more excited about 41 plays to chart than I was anything else out of this game. 153 net rushing yards, 268 net passing yards. Uh, you know, uh, a lot of things to be excited about. Time of possession, 37 minutes, 17 seconds. You can watch it up to probably two episodes of Seinfeld almost uh, <laughs> uh, 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 with that time of possession there. Thanks for the email, Mark. Uh, let's go forward. And, and I would just say they're now seven and one this year in one possession huh. games. Seven and one. Uh, Cam Rogers. Let's see here. No, that's a span. That's a quite different kind of question here. Casey, uh, Nathan. 
Nathan Casey writes in, am I crazy to think that Trent Thompson is at worst our third best safety and should keep his spot regardless of when Neil comes back? No, you are not crazy, Nathan. Uh, he goes on to write, he makes tackles, he breaks on the ball, he is a keeper. I think he should keep his spot in rotation to start the rest of the year with Casey being the third safety. I think uh, I think there's a, a decent, decent chance of that, uh, Nathan. Yeah, I mean, Neil's still out a couple more games, and Thompson will kind of use this as, as an audition to see what he can do and continue to stack positive performances. I think he will start next week if Minka comes back. Um, I think Casey will go into that more rotational-type role. So if Thompson keeps playing like this, so when Neil comes back, he may maintain his spot for sure. Andrew has a flex scheduling question. Any idea when the Colts game day and time must be finalized by me and the core Steelers group are going to the game, but the NFL is making it impossible to plan the actual trip. I know it's 28 days on the Thursday night. Yeah, is- this is, there was a uh, to be announced. I think with the time on the Colts game, I'm seeing one o'clock shown though on pro football reference for the Colts game on December 17th. Uh, as I don't. I don't want to speak out of turn here and talk about when they have to make the final decision on the time, time and, and day of that game. But I know it's 28 days on the Thursday. You would have to think it's a couple of. I don't. I don't know the exact answer on this. Maybe you can Google that real quick, Alex. Yeah, it's still. Let me see. In terms of time, yeah, the Steelers official site does not show a time. It just shows to be determined. So I don't know if PFR is uh, accurate with their one o'clock time. I'm not entirely sure uh, when those things have to to be announced. Hunter Higgins writes in, hey, David Knox, what a game. I don't think Kenny is fixed and the jury is still out on him being the guy. But the number one thing I noticed about his performance versus Cincinnati was a quarterback with confidence. He looked like he got some of his mojo back, hoping to see him string a couple of high confidence games together. Look, I, I, it's not that I don't think that 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 Kenny's had been lacking confidence overall. I just think that, uh, you know, may I think is a lot more decisive. And as as Alex talked about hitting, getting rid of that football, you know, when he's hitting the back of some of these drops, and obviously they mix things up a little bit, you know, schematic, you know, uh, overall. But I mean, point point taken there. Uh, I'd like to see Kenny string a couple of these games where he's making these third down conversions and making those throws down the field and all like that. I mean, it was definitely a lot better than what we've seen as of lately out of Kenny. Yeah. Now the question is you got to build upon that. You can't have, you know, regression, especially against some more favorable teams. You're facing the Cardinals and the Patriots, not exactly the most talented teams in football. Not that you ever take anything for granted, especially for this offense. Is it still a team still trying to, you know, figure things out and put things together? Um, but you know, you would expect Pickett to continue to play well. Do he writes, do you think Eddie Faulkner still had a lot to do with the play calling seeing that way as he had the play sheet all game and was always right on top of Sullivan. No, I, I, if uh, I don't know for sure, sure. But I, I, I just think that the two of them were just trying to stay in concert together. He was trying to follow along with, with, with the play sheet of what's being called there. And I, I think Eddie said, you know, uh, ahead of the game that, you know, just going to you know, him and him and him and Sullivan were going to talk in between series and all that kind of stuff there. But uh, I think he just let Sullivan go it, uh, and, and let he might have had a suggestion along the way uh, within all that. But it, but I, I don't think I, I don't view Eddie having a, a heavy hand in, in play calling at all. 
I agree. I think Sullivan was the guy actually choosing and calling the plays and making those decisions. They would collaborate entering the game and the play sheet, as you said, was him just kind of following along to stay in tune with what was being called and maybe offering a suggestion uh, here and there. Um, How about after the game? Kenny Pickett saying uh, Sullivan called a hell of a game. Note the gamer said Matt Canada called a hell of a game. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's go here to Todd, right? Saying great AFC North win. Really shocked to see the team surpass 400 yards. Uh, First game Canada's gone. Question is about Deontay Johnson. He really gets in his own head at times and it substantially limits or affects his play. The play everyone will be talking about is him essentially walking up, blah, 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 totally giving up. Uh, Jalen's fumble. He could have at least tried. Okay, he's stating the obvious here, uh, but he never made an effort. Uh, he goes on to say, I know he wants to win, but he's starting to stack up incidences of involvement and altercations with other players. This goes goes back to last year. Scuffle with Mitch Trubisky. He was clearly animated after last week's loss, uh, resulting in an altercation with Minka. This is long. That's why I'm trying to fly through it here. What is your take on him? I really question whether he's a team player or a me-first guy. I know he's valuable, but his selfish attitude. Uh, Look, I I get the gist of this, and we, we, we talked about it early in the game. Uh, there, yeah, he, he, he needs to keep himself out of the limelight when it comes to some of these things that, that we're talking about. We were already going to be talking about the unfortunate situation in the end zone there, but he gave us more to talk about because of the run backwards. And then, uh, the, the way he reacted on, on, on the play with the fumble there, if he can eliminate those kind of things, there now look to his credit and we we tried to make sure we took both sides of the coin here it didn't throw him in the dumpster for the rest of the game you know right. and and we're not we're not trying to gloss over what what happened early in the game there but at least he bounced back to make a couple of plays uh in this game yes he needs to as he puts it substantially limit these other kind of things and we don't need to be talking about him after games, either altercations or getting on social media and all like that. Man, just go do your job and take it to the house and and give us less of these other things to to mm. to to talk about in games. Yeah, as you said, a couple of years ago, he wouldn't have bounced back. He would have just continued to spiral in game and not made some of those plays he made in the second half. You know, I really don't know how to I I, I understand the concern. I get that, but like what do you do about it right now? He's, he's playing. He can be an asset when, when he's on his game. He's going to be your starting receiver. You know, we'll deal with any sort of offseason talk in the offseason, but right now we're in season. Johnson's your guy. Hopefully he just you know, is able to make some plays and minimize some of these, uh, as you said, kind of distractions and other non-receiver type stuff. Because look, like it or not, coming out of this game with the win and 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 all the positive that we saw on offense, Deontay Johnson's going to be a talking point this next week. Right. Right. And thankfully, it was a win because it becomes much less of a talking point. Winning really cures and masks and covers up a lot of this stuff. Here's what I try to do if I'm Mike Tomlin. You know, obviously, you're going to have the teaching moments in the film room and all like that. Uh, I, I, If I'm Mike Tomlin, I, I pull them aside and say, look, draw the line in the sand right now. Don't give them anything else to talk about the rest of the season here. You know, let 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 your positive actions on the field uh, speak for themselves moving forward. And the further that other other stuff gets in the rearview mirror, hopefully it it gets further in the rearview mirror. 
I agree, but I feel like that conversation has probably happened sure. before. So I have I'm it not, again, though. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. Um, just win. We'll just win, and it'll cure a lot of these ills. Like Adrian uh, said to Rocky in the hospital, come here. Win. You know, just win. And then that's, that's the first Rocky. Uh, I think that's the second one when she's. Uh, oh, I think I've seen uh, the second Rocky. Oh, man. How can you not? That, what a <laughs> what a what a hell of a scene in the hospital there when she says, come here. And Rocky leans over and he goes, what? And she goes, win. And then that's when the music. Dong! And then Mickey says, what are we waiting for? Take us. Yeah, what a boy that you you cannot watch that scene without getting getting goosebumps, have the hair on your arm stand up, even to this day. What you got to watch, you have not sat and watched. Look, now you get past Rocky three, yeah, you know, they they can have the rest of those movies, but those those first three Rocky movies, you got to spend, you got to make that your goal this offseason, Mr. Mr. Lack of movie guy. You got to watch, uh, uncut versions of Rocky one, two, and three, uh, on a, on a Saturday afternoon. I watched rounders this weekend. Does that count? That's, no, that's, that's, that's a good movie. A good movie. Um, good movie. I, I don't like have to watch Rocky. Now you set the scene so well. I feel like I was there. It's, it's, oh. it's, it's Rocky. The one man played by Dave Bryan. Yeah. I want to see the whole, whole release. Yeah. Yo, Alex. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> back when I mean, those, those movies were obviously big when I was a kid and well, I could sit there and recite just dialogue after dialogue <laughs> of, of, of those three movies. But man, that scene in the hospital, you gotta, you gotta re recue that one up. That's that, what, right. what a great scene that is. Uh, Brad writes in, uh, hello, David Alex. I just wanted to, to ask is Trenton a possible fit to play along you know, another question about Trenton, uh, here. Uh, look, we pointed out after that game last week, I thought he played well against, uh, uh, the Browns overall, very unfortunate that he didn't get that, that interception in that game, but, uh, he has represented himself well right now. Maybe they do have something there. Yeah. And again, I think even in camp, we noticed he had a really good camp, a really strong preseason. The guy that, you know, was deserving of a practice squad spot. Special, and good, good on special teams. Wasn't he? Probably. I can't remember on that aspect. He probably was making some plays there, um, but he's worked up the ladder and, it's almost a little Robert Spillane-like where you just kind of get on the practice squad, hang around, and then work up the ladder. Didn't have the special teams impact that Spillane had, but you know, just kind of hang around and make some plays and wait for your turn and take advantage of it. All right. I think we got through the bulk of them here. I think we're, what, about an hour and a half on this? Yeah, so uh, we'll come back Wednesday. No live stream tonight. That's just our normal schedule. We had one last week, so uh, come back Wednesday through the All-22. I believe it actually just dropped, Dave, so right. we'll, uh, I know we're both diving into that offense together. All right, we'll do it, and we'll uh, we'll talk about what we see on Wednesday and uh, start working towards the uh, Arizona Cardinals game uh, in in Week 13. So in the meantime, you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show the Terrible Podcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button. Also, if you like an ad free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com. Find the uh, ad free button. A lot of great content. Some film rooms going up uh, up on the site. Uh, Alex's uh, stats of the weird is fantastic as usual. Uh, so we invite everybody to, to, to swing by SteedersDepot.com uh, over these next few days as well, too. So until Wednesday, as always, Thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.